0: January 1st, 2020, there will be no singing on the epilogue to The Black Hole Season 1. I have some very serious things to talk about, namely uh, why I no longer work at the mine, and it's because of uh, sexual harassment, which uh, was basically sexual assault on the night of june 13th i was working on section as you may recall and we were tasked with loading the miner so we pulled the scoop up near the miner and the mining crew was uh helping load the miner as well as us out by guys uh, one of the crew members, I was bending over to pick up a a packet of bolts out of the scoop. He came up behind me, and said, "Hey, we're gonna let our hair down, have a good time tonight, right?" Blah blah blah, and ran his hand up between my legs and hit my genitals. I jumped about two feet in the air and said, "Whoa, hey, what what the heck?" You know, and I just tried to ignore it. I delivered those bolts to the miner on my way back the same guy would joke around the same way saying we're letting our hair down hey do you mind holding these he had two small packs of bolts one in each hand he asked me to hold them so i fell for it and i held both packets of bolts he came right up in front of me and grabbed me by the genitals once again uh i tried to ignore it i took those bolts to the miner i came back started loading another packet of bolts, and as I was headed towards the miner, he was coming back, he grabbed me once again in the genitals, uh, and then he did this one other time while we were passing before I began blocking his advances with my free hand. Uh, so, I just ignored it, I'd been self-employed for 10 years, and I just ignored it that night, I didn't put it in the podcast, Uh I didn't know what to make of it and the more I got to thinking about it it's a professional workplace I was getting paid good money and this was a pretty messed up situation I uh, waited until July when I was put back on that section and the night of this uh, sexual assault a man about my age on the mining crew even looked at me and said at one point while we were loading the miner Hey, he's kind of handsy, isn't he? So when I got back on that section in July, I, uh, well, between June and July, the actor that uh, assaulted me, we were going down the lift the one time together, and he looked at another miner and said, Hey, I grabbed this guy by the balls. He jumped about two feet. And uh, bragging about it in front of another miner, and he did this again in July. Um, I was on the section again, the same section, and at the first half of the work shift, I was working with the guy that looked at me and said he he's he's kind of handsy, joking around, trying to make light of it. The night this happened, I was working with him, and. I broached the subject while working together I said hey did that guy ever grope you like he did to me that one night and he confirmed he said yeah my first night he groped me Uh, after lunch I was working with another man who was older been in the mines a long time but he started the same day as me and he had been consistently assigned to that section since he wasn't a red hat getting moved around all the time he'd been there for the two months that we'd been working there going on three months and I brushed the subject with him I asked him did did that guy ever grope you and he said yeah but he's a good guy kinda defending him maybe because he was hazed when he started in the mines or something along those lines because I guess that used to occur but this was not uh, really a hazing this was more of a personal sexual assault um so after that occurrence in July I decided that I should since this is happening to other people that I should report this to HR which I did I wrote an email I did said I didn't know how to report it exactly Uh, the HR guy for the mine responded back that we'd have a meeting When we came back from uh, vacation, I was on vacation at the time. The mine had the mandatory shutdown of two weeks in July, mandatory vacation. So before I came in, came back from the mandatory vacation, mandatory shutdown, the HR guy called me and said, there's a corporate HR guy coming. We want to do an interview with you. So they asked me to come down two hours before shift, which I did. I was in a meeting room with uh, the mine, assistant mine supervisor and the two HR people, and they were gonna enter things into the corporate HR guy's laptop. So they began asking me questions, and I said, before I give up any names involving this incident, I'm worried about retaliation from this guy for reporting him what can, what can you do to ensure that I won't be retaliated against and I'm also worried about because this guy has been here for several years I'm worried about this other guys being like this and this happening to me again what can you do to ensure that this doesn't happen to me again uh, the H the corporate HR guy pretty much responded there's nothing we can do about. Retaliation until it happens, we can work through that after it happens, uh, you know, which is kind of BS in my opinion. They could move me to the prep plant, they could uh, obviously fire this guy. Um, there's lots of steps they could take to ensure retaliation doesn't occur, but that was their response. They also said that they would keep it anonymous, say it was reported to us, and not use my name in an effort to help with retaliation. So I got out of this meeting at 3, had to be down in the mine at 4. I got dressed, waited in the lamp room. Uh, Usually someone comes with an assignment, but on this day they didn't. I waited till 10 to 4, and I went to the mine, or the shift supervisor. I said, where are you putting me tonight? He said, I don't know. And as I started to walk away, he said, "Somewhere where you're not going to get your head bashed in," which I took as a threat. This, mines, the shift foreman didn't want a tattletale on a sh- on a shift. Uh, he knew that it had been reported already. Anonym- anonymity had been thrown out the window within an hour. I knew that by the end of the shift. All the shift supervisors, all the foremen would know about it. Probably half of the mine. And by the next day, the whole mine would know that I had reported this incident. Um, so, when I after I worked the shift, I went home and I drafted a resignation email and uh, decided to resign. There's too many things in the mine that can be made to look like an accident. And... Uh, to worry about someone retaliating, bashing my head in. Uh, This person, the actor, also had a brother that worked at the same mine, so I'd be watching my back for two people possibly retaliating against me, making it look like an accident. It just wasn't worth it to me after that happened to me. So afterwards, I did speak with a, a lawyer Uh, He explained that I can file a federal complaint, basically, uh, and it goes to mediation before you can uh, actually full-blown take them to suit. Uh, It has to go through this federal process of mediation, which you can get restitution uh, through this means. But, uh, unfortunately... The mine I worked at went bankrupt in October or November. When I, I think it was October, so I doubt that anything will come of this. I'm happy I filed the complaint uh, so that this hopefully stops happening because the mine is still operational even though it's bankrupt. Uh, hopefully, this stops happening to people, and uh, I I do kind of want to follow through with this. For all the people out there that have been sexually harassed or sexually assaulted that are signed into employment contracts and have to go to arbitration to see any type of action and are signed into non-disclosure agreements and things of that nature, I'm not signed into any of that. So, uh, I kind of do want to pursue it to a certain extent, but I'm ready to chalk it up as a loss and uh, move on with my life. So. That leaves me with the question of, what do I do now? Because I was on track to make $100,000 a year working at that mine with the mandatory overtime. Um, So what do you do to make that kind of money is the question. And uh, ideally for me, people investing in me as an artist, Would be the ideal way for me to reach that goal if I could sell my mitch miller paintings for a thousand dollars a piece uh, and sell a hundred a year I'd be on track for that that would be the ideal situation but it would take it's an investment you know and it would take people believing in me and trusting that I have enough interesting ideas and I would be able to manage my image uh, in a way that would make the paintings appreciate in value. Uh, you may ask, what would I do with the money if I was making that kind of money? Uh, the first ten paintings I sold would go towards the uh, the budget for the short film I pitched in episode eight of this podcast. Uh, the short film that... It, Uh, tries to address patent fraud and some other major issues in my screenplay Um, that's where the first 10 would go for that budget but anything over that uh, I do have some ideas for some technology startups that I would use the additional funds raised by me selling paintings for um, just to give you an idea <clears throat> one one technology startup idea I had was, uh, I, I call it Zen 10. It's an online marketplace platform, kind of like eBay or Amazon. But the goal for Zen 10 is to promote recycling and fight planned obsolescence. So planned obsolescence, for those of you that don't know, is basically the idea that engineers design and redesign products continue to change the design year after year or every 2 years so that eventually when a product say an appliance breaks down after 5 years you can't even buy replacement parts because the design has changed so much over those 5 years that you can no longer uh buy replacement parts and fix the product your only option is to buy a new appliance Um, it's planned obsolescence a lot of united states corporations uh, use it to uh, promote selling more products and um, this zen 10 marketplace is geared towards fighting planned obsolescence so the basic idea is We only sell products on Zen 10 that won't change their design. The manufacturers promise they won't change the design for 10 years. And there could be a customer feedback option on there where if it breaks after two years, the customer can give the manufacturer direct feedback. This sprocket broke or this band broke or this belt broke at this time. And uh, the manufacturers can gather all that information, that feedback, and you know the ultimate goal is designing the perfect product, say a product that lasts 50 years. Imagine if you only had to buy uh, one blender in your lifetime or uh, you know could outfit your all your appliances and they would last 50 years. Um, so that's kind of one of the goals of Zen 10, but there could be other options on the marketplace where manufacturers can sell replacement part products directly, possibly where you could um, get in touch with a repairman or amateur repairman where people might be able to uh, fix the products or tutorials or online videos that teach you how to uh, you know, go in and fix the uh, item you purchased off Zen 10 so that's the basic idea it's an online platform market online marketplace where manufacturers promise not to change the design of their product for 10 years and you can buy these products online like eBay or Amazon so that's just uh, one tech startup idea I have but if you want to invest Uh, in that get a hold of me through my website or by painting obviously but uh, I don't know if this would attract a legitimate investor in trying to launch that uh, online platform so I guess if my paintings won't sell then I'll go back to being a house painter Uh, the ideal situation for that uh, painters depending on the area charge thirty to seventy dollars an hour for their services and uh i can fi- i figure i can be on track to make a hundred thousand dollars a year if i charge fifty dollars an hour uh so this is within the range i am a professional painter i've been painting for uh 18 years I've had a couple painting companies uh, but downgraded to just a single-man operation. So with the insurance, the retirement, the uh, overhead-like insurance and things like that, and healthcare, uh, to charge $50 an hour I'd probably be making about $30 an hour, same as when I was in the mine. Also I noticed through my experiences running businesses I waste a lot of time spend a lot of time i guess free unpaid time doing estimates driving out to the suburbs spending an hour doing an estimate so i think if i did it again if i started a house painting business again and wasn't and uh restarted you know my business i would uh charge for estimates so if you don't mind paying Around $50 an hour for a professional paint job. I'm looking mostly at interior work or low low ranch style uh, exterior work if possible. Um, so call if you don't mind paying for an estimate. Uh, I will be on time. If I'm not on time, I will call and confirm that I'm running a bit late. So if you've ever had experiences with contractors where you can't get them to show up, and they won't uh get back to you and things of that nature well part of the issue is the they all offer free estimates and uh sometimes they get tied up a lot of times they get tied up and or they have enough work and they just don't want to do the legwork and do the communication to uh, ensure that they get there on time for the estimate and uh, do that even when i did free estimates i always communicated called and tried to be on time for every estimate so while I'm uh, doing estimates or selling paintings I've thought about a second season of this podcast Uh, what I would like to do is uh, go back to my hometown every once in a while help my grandparents that live there I grew up a block away from my grandparents on my dad's side my dad and my uncles were raised in a small town, the town of Utica, Pennsylvania, and uh, I was born I was raised there. Uh, wasn't born there because there's no hospital uh, but uh, I was born in the town next to there where I went to high school and uh, raised in a small town. about 200 people in the whole town. There's a post office general store, there used to be a small gas station, there used to be an elementary school which is now a private elementary school I think. Uh, Just a small town in northwestern Pennsylvania and I'd like to explain the dynamics of growing up in a small town like that. The families that inhabited that town, uh, obviously I'd change the names to protect their identities, Uh, And go into some of my personal history and my experiences growing up in this small town. Uh, And also, I would mix in, I'd capture stories from my grandparents uh, about their growing up and things of that nature and kind of mix that in. Uh, Some of my grandmother's stories, maybe some of my grandfather's stories, things of that nature. So I think it would make a pretty interesting podcast, Uh, The Black Hole Season 2, probably won't. Start for three or four months, but that's ideally what I'd like to do Um, So I just want to thank you for all your support Uh, You know, I wanted to explain what Exactly happened why I'm not no longer working in the mine and for those of you that may have worried about me working in the mine, mine uh, Just let you know that I'm no longer employed in the mine um. so again thanks for listening uh, I hope you'll consider liking and sharing my podcast on your social media or sharing my website with the links to the podcast I put up a lot more links I'm on like five or six different platforms the links are at my website www.plotm.com that's p l o t amazonmitch dot com, plot as a book as in a book, Amazon dot com. I hope you'll visit, uh, consider purchasing a painting or a piece of art, um, and uh, like and share this with uh, friends and family, and uh, help me promote my podcast and my website. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned for next season I think you can subscribe through different platforms so that you're notified when I post a new episode or or the next season of episodes Um, so yeah thank you very much and uh, and take care of yourselves and uh, I guess that's it this is Mitch Miller signing out for season one Of the Black Hole Podcast.